Welcome to the Mommy Sober Culture Podcast. I'm your host, Berkeley Boren. Inspired by my own journey from mommy wine culture to mommy sober culture, I want to explore our personal and cultural relationships with alcohol and sobriety. We'll look at not only the role that alcohol plays in our lives, but also self-care, wellness and spirituality, motherhood, and sisterhood. I hope that through this podcast, you realize that you are not alone in this journey. And I hope we have some fun along the way. Thanks for listening. Welcome, everybody, to this week's episode of Mommy Sober Culture. This week's episode, we are going to dive into uh, kind of what this podcast is named after a play on the name, Mommy Wine Culture. What is Mommy Wine Culture? How did we get to this point? How does it affect our kids? We're going to look into all of that. So what is mommy wine culture? It's kind of hard to define, but most of you probably know what I'm talking about. Mommy wine culture is the idea that moms have to drink, should drink, need to drink to deal with and to cope with motherhood and all that comes along with motherhood. It is no secret that motherhood is pretty much a thankless job. Mommy wine culture, you know, it's all the memes, it's all the all the products, the cups, the shirts, the pillows, things like when they whine, W-H-I-N-E, I whine, W-I-N-E, mommy's sippy cup, mommy's juice, things like that that are kind of a funny way to talk about how much we have to drink in order to be a mother. And it's no wonder that moms are looking for some way to cope. Motherhood is stressful. The typical working mom in the United States spends 37% more time than men on unpaid household care. So what that means is, you know, we work, some of us work full-time, some of us work part-time, some of us don't work at all, but we spend more time at home on the duties of our home life. Most mothers are responsible for carrying the mental load of the family, meaning we are the schedulers, we are the chauffeurs, we are the planners for everybody and everything. This is not to take away from men and husbands and what they do, and there are some fathers and husbands that do all of that. I'm not saying that that there's not. It's just that for the most part, in general, that falls on the mom's. A 2020 study conducted showed that women have increased their heavy drinking days by 41% after the pandemic compared with before the pandemic. And part of that is, you know, all of the household chores, the bulk of the remote school duties, all of that generally fell on the mom. So it's no wonder that mommy wine culture became increasingly more prevalent And it's no wonder that we buy into it. Alcohol comes at us from every single angle, from the mommy wine culture funny memes to the glasses to the t-shirts to the pillows, movies, media. It is everywhere. 
drinking is acceptable. Drinking is praised. Drinking is advertised. You don't watch movies where they're not drinking. It's funny. I even now notice it when I look at home listings. I like to look, you know, at listings for houses that are, I don't know, $18 million in Hawaii. I just, that's something that I love to do. But in the listing, in the pictures of the house, there will be this strategic picture of the outdoor patio, but it's not focused on the view or on the actual patio. It's just a picture of like, say the table on the patio with two wine glasses on it. And that doesn't tell you anything about the house. It's just kind of a suggestion. You can come here and relax. And the suggestion is that drinking wine on your patio is maybe a great way to relax, maybe the only way to relax. When we look at vacations, when there's pictures of different resorts or cruise ships or places that you want to go, there's always a glass of alcohol or people drinking alcohol in the pictures. Because of course, if you're going to go on vacation, this is the way to have a good time. This is the way to relax. They don't say that, but that's always implied in everything. Alcohol brands advertise to us. No other drug that is not a prescription drug, be it legal or illegal, is allowed to advertise. And in fact, in other countries besides the U.S., even prescription drugs aren't allowed to advertise. But you'll never see uh, an advertisement for cigarettes. They're not allowed to do it. You don't see advertisements for marijuana, even in places that marijuana is legal because it's not allowed. What's funny about that is 95,000 deaths are alcohol related each year in the U.S. alone. That is compared to um, uncounted marijuana deaths because marijuana deaths are not really quantified. They're not really a thing. But 95,000 alcohol deaths, fentanyl deaths, fentanyl is a narcotic. They are calling it an epidemic of opioid abuse. Fentanyl deaths are about 71,000 attributed fentanyl deaths per year. Methamphetamines, methamphetamines is considered a huge problem in the United States. About 33,000 methamphetamine deaths happen in the United States each year. Cocaine. About 24,500 cocaine deaths each year in the United States. Those are all drugs that are considered terrible, awful. We would never do meth, fentanyl, cocaine in front of our kids, ever. And though there are less deaths attributed to those things than to alcohol. So the brainwashing, it starts young with us. You know, we see from a young age that to be an adult, to be grown up, to have fun, to be cool, you have to drink, right? Kids drink lemonade. Kids drink juice. Adults, grown-ups, they drink alcohol. Grown-ups drink beer to have fun. Sophisticated people drink wine. Manly men drink straight liquor on the rocks or beer. These are all things that are never said but implied from the time we're very, very young. 
and I noticed that in my kids, I've talked about this in other podcasts, that that's one thing that I noticed that pushed me to become alcohol free was my kids. I remember one New Year's Eve, they asked if they could drink out of wine glasses and I let them. And then I'm sitting there watching them drink out of wine glasses, acting like it's wine. I got them, you know, grape juice thinking, why do I want my kids to want to drink? I would never want them to smoke cigarettes. I don't want them to drink with their older. I certainly don't want them to have a problem with alcohol when they get older. But the fact is that studies show that kids who begin drinking in their early teens are not only at a greater risk for developing alcohol dependence at some point in their life, they're also at a greater risk for developing dependence more quickly and at younger ages and developing chronic relapsing dependence. Among respondents to one study who developed alcohol dependence at some point, almost half met the alcohol dependence criteria by age 21. So we're perpetuating the brainwashing that we, we received unconsciously by showing our kids that to have fun with our friends or to relax at night or to enjoy a meal or to be a grown-up or to be sophisticated or to celebrate or to be sad. We have to drink. These are all things that our kids are watching and noticing. And of course they want to be like us. And of course, when they're teenagers, they're stressed out and their brains are not fully developed. So they fall back on this, what they've seen from early childhood. I'm stressed. I want to have fun with my friends. What am I going to do? Oh, I'm going to drink. Of course, of course I'm going to drink. So why is it that makes me wonder, why is it that all these drugs, cigarettes, they're not allowed to advertise to kids anymore. You can't buy candy cigarettes anymore for kids because everybody knows that cigarettes are dangerous. Even though they're legal, they're dangerous. And we don't want our kids to smoke. We don't want them to ever start smoking, right? Cigarette companies are not allowed to advertise on TV or on radio. They're not allowed to market to children. And not that alcohol necessarily marks markets to children, but they are allowed to advertise. We can buy non-alcoholic wine and give it to our kids, the grape juice, the champagne, so that they can pretend like they're drinking. And we market to our kids, right? We do with our behavior. Mommy wine culture says that to have play dates, to have fun, we have to drink. And listen, I am guilty of this. I look back at my Facebook posts from when I was drinking and I have play dates with friends and I would post a picture of the kids playing in the background, you know, and it's kind of the fuzzy, it's the picture zoomed in up close on me and my friend, our wine glasses or our margaritas cheersing with the kids playing and the caption's always something like mommy and kid play date, you know, or mommies are having the play date. Oh, the kids came too, you know. So we would have these play dates and every time there would be alcohol. And I think now about what my kids saw, how they saw that for me to go have fun with my friend, I needed alcohol. They also saw me drink alcohol and then drive them home. There's no way to know 
unless you are breathalyzed or have a blood test if you're over the legal limit of alcohol. I don't know what alcohol legal limit is everywhere. I know that in my state it's 0.08. So for the average woman, that comes out to around two drinks in an hour. I can tell you one glass of wine does not last me, did not last me an hour. And that's a five ounce glass of wine. So I don't know because thank God nothing ever happened to me or my children. I never drove home when I was visibly drunk or felt drunk with my children. But was I, did I ever drive them over the legal limit? Probably, probably. And what would that have done to me and my children and my whole family had something happened? Had I got in a wreck? Whether alcohol was a contributing factor or not, it's just mind-boggling to think about. And thank God that it's not something that we ever had to deal with because some moms are not that lucky. But we look at those moms and, and we think, oh man, gosh, I can't believe they did that. And for some of us, it could have just as easily been us, right? So why do we buy into this mommy wine culture? Well, I've talked about in previous podcasts, the self-care side of drinking for moms, that it's a way for us to escape, that it's a way for us to mentally decompress without having to ever leave with still being able to do the household chores or the things that need to be done. But it's a way for us to check out a little bit. You know, I know I've been guilty of seeing moms in the past who go on trips, maybe a girl's trip, maybe a trip with their husband and thinking, oh, I could never leave my kids for that long. Or that just seems like a lot to do away from your kids. When I think that, or when I say that, I have to realize that that's something in myself that has nothing to do with that person or the type of mom they are. I see that now that it was more of a jealousy. (laughs) We judge ourselves the hardest, but most of us moms are a little bit guilty of judging others. And it seems like there's so many unacceptable ways to self-care, but for some reason, alcohol is an acceptable way to self-care to us, to everybody. There's also something to, you know, there used to be this idea kind of in the fifties, it started, I guess, where the mom, the woman of the house had it all together. She was the perfect mom. She was the perfect wife. Her husband came home and the house looked wonderful and she was dressed in a skirt and heels and had makeup on and her hair was perfectly coiffed and she had his dinner ready and his drink ready for him. And at some point, we started to reject the idea of the perfect mom. Thank God. And there was kind of a push for hot mess mom, hot mess express. You know, it's kind of our way of fighting back against that, that I don't have to have it all together. And then somehow alcohol through kind of the mommy wine culture or because of the mommy wine culture, or maybe it started the mommy wine culture became the acceptable way to say, I don't have it all together. I run on coffee, wine, and Amazon Prime. I do it all, but then I have to have alcohol. And that was kind of the the way to fight back. I'm great at all these things, but I do drink to cope. But that's okay, because everybody does, right? It's not really acceptable, really, in mainstream to talk about, I do the best I can for the family, And I'm on anxiety medicine, or I do 
I do it all. And I take antidepressants. You know, people don't really talk about that stuff. They don't say that stuff out loud so much. It is becoming more acceptable to talk about, more mainstream, but I think not near as much as something like alcohol, when alcohol is much more deadly and has much more serious side effects. It's certainly not acceptable to talk about illegal drugs. And the same with marijuana. Marijuana is not acceptable everywhere. It's not legal everywhere. It is becoming more talked about people using marijuana to relax. It's still not like wine culture or drinking culture for mom. And when you talk about, you know, I don't have it all together and I drink, that's great. And it makes you somehow feel or seem to everybody that you're normal, right? It seems like there's this push to really actually kind of look like you have it all together. People aren't showing a lot of pictures of their houses super dirty on the Facebooks. People look like they have it all together, but, oh, but I, oh, gosh, I have to drink, though. And everybody's like, yeah, of course, you're so normal. And what's funny is when you say you don't drink, then you're kind of seen as the abnormal one, right? Like, what? Oh, what's up with her? Oh, does she have a problem? She doesn't drink. Was there a problem with alcohol? that she decided not to drink? Could she not handle it? I can handle it. Could she not? Those are all kind of the stigmas, whether they're said or not, whether they're implied, whether they're conscious or unconscious. Those are the things at play. And those are the things that you're kind of up against because there really isn't much else out there that's mainstream that talks about ways to cope. Don't poison your body and depress your nervous system. Nobody... It's not really mainstream to talk about meditation, prayer, exercise, tapping. All of these things are real, proven, and time-tested methods of stress relief. And you might see a little bit more out there about them now if you're on that side of TikTok or if you have those kinds of friends. But it's really not mainstream. It's really not near as accepted or talked about as alcohol, you might, people might think that you're a little uppity, that you're a little woo-woo or hippie. If you are talking about those ways that you decompress or de-stress yourself or self-care as opposed to alcohol. But dare I say that in a world where alcohol is pushed on you from all angles, where alcohol is not only accepted but praised, and where the indoctrination and brainwashing starts really in infancy, in a world where 90% of the population drinks, to choose yourself, to choose your mental health, to choose your physical health, to choose your children's future, it's damn brave, and it's downright heroic and iconic and fierce. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Mommy Sober Culture. My hope is that after listening to each episode, you come away feeling encouraged, hopeful, and seen. If you enjoy this content, be sure to hit the subscribe button so that you'll be the first to know every week when the new episode drops. 
Also, if you have any questions or anything you'd like me to talk about, please feel free to email me at burkebrin at manifesting-mama.com. I'll link it below. Have a great day.